All right. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter number 37. Psalm chapter number 37. You know, all the times that uh, you leave Sunday school and, and you're always jealous because the kids all got candy. Well, today you got candy and you got a mug and the kids didn't get a mug. So uh, just saying, it makes up maybe for, for some of that candy loss, but uh, hopefully that'll, that'll make up for it. It's better to be in the adult class today than it is to be in the kids class. Usually it's at least from the prize perspective, it's, it's better to be in the kids' class than in the adults' class because we usually don't give anything, and the kids always got candy and stickers and all this stuff, and I thought, man, maybe we need to give stickers out in the adult class. I don't know, you know, something. But um, Psalm 37, as we think about Valentine's Day, we think about uh, the idea of I love Sunday school, and obviously love comes to mind, and the idea of love uh, with the idea of love comes the idea of commitment. Uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, ideals out there, and a lot of people, uh, maybe the new, new age or the new generation, and they want to take the idea of, uh, of love with no commitment. And, uh, and of course, we know that idea is not a good long-term solution. Obviously, there, that, that does not exist, love without commitment. And uh, there's got to be some kind of commitment. Commitment is kind of what uh, makes it all stick together and stay together on a long term. Uh, anybody who's been married any length of time knows that um, love, being like the feeling of love, comes and goes. Uh, but commitment is what keeps those things together and keeps a couple really together. And so when we think about the idea of commitment and we think about love and we think about all of that, very clearly the Bible tells us over and over, it's repeated throughout the Bible, uh, that it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And so it's very clear uh, that we're commanded in the Word of God. That's stated multiple places throughout Deuteronomy, the New Testament, and throughout the Bible, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, uh, and everything that we are. Uh, Now, let me say this, uh, that love is not just a gushy feeling that comes when things are going good. Uh, Granted, we might... Um, have that feeling more so when things are going good, but when things don't go well, and, uh, and perhaps we're tempted to blame God and say, God, have you forgotten about me down here on this earth? And, and maybe you're, you get upset or, or even angry at God. Uh, then, then we're like, whoa, you know, maybe that love distances itself. But it is nonetheless a command in the Word of God that we are to love the Lord our God. And if we're commanded to love the Lord our God, then we must be committed to the Lord our God. Um, that is the absolute bottom line uh, that, that we can fulfill that love and that commitment. And so I found uh, just three areas that we're going to look at. We're going to turn to a few passages uh, in Scripture, but we're going to start right here in Psalm 37. And verse number five, the Bible says this Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it 
to pass. Let's stop and pray uh, before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for uh, the opportunity that we have to be in your house and to uh, look into your word and study your word. God, I pray that you would just speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart and help us, Father, to evaluate our commitment to you uh, in our lifetime. And Father, I pray that you would help us to love you with our whole heart and with our whole mind and with our whole uh, body and, and just everything that we are, God, that you would be first place in our life. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, the Bible says in Psalm 37, in verse number 5, it says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Now the word commit means to give in trust, to put into the hands or power of another to entrust. And so if you're going to, the first thing that we have to, uh, to commit to the Lord is we have to commit our way Unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It's very clear. Our, our, now, the idea of committing is to give in trust. Uh, you know, in weddings, it's very common to uh, exchange vows. Matter of fact, uh, sometimes they will write their own. Sometimes they'll take a standard set of vows. And, and, uh, and, and traditionally, uh, it's that you will uh, love that person in sickness and in health. And listen, it's harder to love somebody in sickness than it is in health. Uh, it's, and then in prosperity, and then in, uh, in, in financial doom or destruction. It doesn't say that, uh, but, uh, but that's kind of the idea, that in both the good times and the bad times, you are vowing to be committed to that person. And that is entrusting yourself or vowing yourself to that person. And that is uh, the idea that is a commitment and so the idea here in Scripture, the Bible says, commit thy way. Now, what is thy way? Well, thy way, of course, um, is the way that you are going. If you think about this, uh, if you think about the analogy, many times it's, it's used, perhaps overly so, but that life is a journey, and that every single day is a specific or as a step, rather, in a specific direction. Today, you took a step. Uh, today, you took a, a direction to come to church this morning. And that is a good direction in your life. That is saying, hey, God, I'm going to commit my way to you today and that I'm going to uh, take my first time and I'm going to uh, go to church this morning in and, and the first part of my day and I'm going to uh, prioritize you. Listen, that's a good thing. That didn't happen by accident. You didn't just happen to drive by the church and say, oh, there's a church. Hey, I think I'll pull in the parking lot, find out what's going on today. No, you, you, you knew before you got up, hey, I'm going to get ready and I'm going to drive to the church and I know where I'm going and I know what time it starts and on purpose, I'm going to make sure that I get myself to church. Um, that's, that's a commitment for the day. That's something that you decided that you would do. Let me give you an example. Uh, financial experts would tell us that, uh, that you should budget your finances. And the idea is, uh, listen, when you get money, there's, there's basically two kinds of people in the world, uh, and you probably fit into one of the two categories. And, uh, and if I were to give you $100, and uh, when you get that, you're like, man, all right, that's awesome. And, uh, and then you go throughout the entire week 
and, uh, and you'd spend it here and there. Maybe you went out to uh, your favorite restaurant, or maybe you did this, or you did that, or uh, you did something fun because it was extra cash. And, and at the end of the week, I would say, um, well, even at the beginning of the week, I'd say, hey, what are you going to do with that? And you'd be like, man, I don't know, but I'm going to have fun. Wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. And, and at the end of the week, I'd look back and I'd say, where did it all go? And you'd say, well, I, I, uh, I used a little bit here and I used a little bit there. And you could tell me, hindsight, where most of it went. And maybe you lost a few here and there because you forgot that you bought a coffee or, or whatever. And that's fine. And then there's the other, that's one kind of person who would look back and they say, well, I know where everything went. I, it's, it went here and there and there and everywhere else. And then the other people... Uh, you'd give them $100 and, and you'd say, hey, what are you going to do with it? And before they've ever even let it out of their hand, they've already in their mind categorized, well, I've got this much and I'm going to do this with this much and I'm going to do this with this much. And they've set it aside and in their mind, they've, they've split it all up on where it's going to go. And if you, you could ask them on that day, what are you going to do with your money? Well, I've already got it figured out. Well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and i got so much for this, and they got it all planned. And they know, and you come back at the end of the week, and you say, hey, where did all your money go? Well, I did what my plan was. I, I did this, and I did that, and I, I spent it in all the different places that I wanted to. Uh, that was my plan. And at the, at the end of the week, both of them knew where they went, but at the beginning of the week, one said, I know where it's going. And budgeters would tell us, uh, the financial experts would tell us, hey, that's wise to have a plan because uh, both of them are going to use it all up. But one is going to know exactly where it's going to go before it ever leaves our hand. And if we're looking about, and if we take and apply that to our life, and we apply it to how we spend our time, and we take that same idea and we'd say, listen, here's my week, and I've got all this week, and I've got Sunday, and I've got Monday, and I've got Tuesday, and I've got all this time, what am I going to do with my time? And we would say, hey, I'm going to purposefully set aside time for the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe at the end of the week, you could ask one person uh, that would just kind of floated through the week, well, my week's all planned out, i got to go to work every day, and that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and you could ask them, well, where did all your time go? And they say, well, it's, I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and that's what I did this week. Uh, but then, listen, there's others that could say, well, I do have to go to work, but listen, that leaves me this much time and this much space and this much area that uh, I'm going to spend a little bit of time reading the Word of God, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time doing this, and, and, uh, and, and when the church house doors are open, I'm going to make a plan that I could be there. And, uh, and I'm going to organize my week and in such a way that they would commit their way to the Lord. And they would plan for that. And listen, we ought to commit our way completely to the Lord. That's good organization. That's kind of organizational skill as well. But the Bible does um, give us the idea that, hey, that's a right thing to do. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 4 and verse number 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. In other words, that, hey, we would walk in wisdom uh, and we would guard our time. The Bible says redeeming our time. In other words, making good use of our time and committing our way unto the Lord. If you set out, many we encourage in our church, we have for years, uh, for, for people to read their Bible all, all the way through. Man, if you look at it, you say, man, that's a, that's a thick book. 
I don't read a whole lot. Man, that's a lot of work. I, I'm not going to be able to do that. And, and, and listen, if you were to tackle it and sit down uh, without a plan or without any kind of, and say, man, I'm going to start reading, and you just start reading, uh, you know what? You might get so far in. I remember when I was young, I said, man, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And, uh, and I sat down and I, I started reading. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have it. I was just, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And, and I got halfway through the book of Genesis in, in like two days. And then it was all done. I forgot. I, I lost track of what I was doing. And I didn't set aside. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a goal. I didn't have a, a way to go about it. Uh, listen, we need to have a, a dedicated plan uh, that we can be organized in our commitment to the Lord. That's not to say that the Lord can't change our plans. He ought to be able to change our plans, and we ought to be sensitive to Him. But listen, if we go about it in an organized fashion to read the Word of God, you know, if you just spend uh, five or ten minutes every single day reading the Bible, you can get through it in an entire year. You don't have to sit down and say, well, today I'm going to read the book of Genesis, and tomorrow I'm going to read the book of Exodus, and the next day I'm going to read the book of Leviticus. You probably won't make it through the book of Leviticus at that rate. I just finished the book of Leviticus, and I'm reading a little bit of New Testament and Old Testament. I like to mix the two and have a little bit of both uh, as I read through the Bible. And, and, uh, and I just finished up the book of Leviticus, and, and man, there is a lot of laws. And every time I read through it, I think, man... They had to know that stuff. They had to learn that stuff. I mean, that was, their, that was the laws. Uh, that's like sitting down and reading uh, the Ohio State Law Book. I don't know if such a book exists. But, uh, but that, was their, that was their national laws and their religious laws all incorporated into one. And, and that's the way they, they would have to know that stuff. And, and listen, for us reading it, uh, it's helpful. I mean, I look at how detailed God is and it will help us if we purpose uh, to, to commit our way unto the Lord. Did you know that commitment doesn't happen by accident? It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to say, well, I'm going to float down this river and I'm going to live for the Lord and, and, uh, and I'm going to frequent here and there the church and that's not going to uh, get it done. Listen, we have got to be committed in a dedicated way. Uh, and the same thing go true for anything that we commit to. And so the Bible would tell us, it would lead us to believe and understand that we need to commit thy way unto the Lord. We have to do it on purpose. We don't want to get to the end of our life and look back and say, man, there was so much more I could have done. There was so much of a better way I could have gone through life. We need to set a goal and commit ourselves to the Lord. Not only are we to commit, we're to commit thy way, in other words, our way. Who are we to commit it to? To the Lord. Listen, some people are just not trustworthy. They're just not. Um, I mean, if, if you've dealt with people, there are people out there that are uh, they're shysters. They really are. Uh, and they'll, they'll look to rip you off. And they, honestly, sometimes it's really hard to tell. But listen, God is not a shyster. God is trustworthy. Matter of fact, the Bible says, we heard last Sunday, that God is not a man, that he should lie. And God is somebody that is completely trustworthy. Listen, you might be skeptical, a skept, skeptical, skeptical, I messed that up first time, skeptical about committing to somebody. 
uh, or, or committing to uh, buying something from somebody or committing to uh, do something or go into business with somebody, and rightfully so, because, uh, listen, sometimes, you know, you've got to be careful about uh, deals and all of those things. But let me tell you something. The, the Lord is absolutely trustworthy. And you should not have to think twice about whether or not You can trust the Lord. Why? Because there's a whole Bible written down that shows time and time again that God is faithful and God will not fail you and that God will continue to be faithful. Now, a lot of times you'll look at things and you'll see people or maybe you've heard people and they're mad at the Lord because uh, this didn't go the way they want. Wait a minute. God's in control last time I checked. And sometimes he does things different. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the book of, uh, I believe it's in Isaiah, that his ways are not our ways. And that his ways are higher than our ways. And that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And sometimes God does things that we don't understand, but that does not make God any less trustworthy. We need to readjust our schedule, readjust our lives and say, you know what? Even though, uh, God, I didn't understand this, I didn't understand this circumstance, uh, that we would trust him. I remember when I was was, uh, uh, a teenager and and something had happened in my life and I was was really struggling. I thought, Lord, why did... I actually ended up in the hospital and uh, I was in the hospital for several days and, uh, and, and I laid there thinking, now God, I don't understand what the purpose of all this is. And, and as I laid there and, and, and contemplated and, and, and I thought, God, I, I don't quite understand what is going on. And, and I had to come to a point where I said, you know what? I'm just going to trust you with what, what, where we're going with this. I'm just going to have to trust you with this whole situation that's taken place. And I'm just going to have to say, you know what, God? I, I trust where you're going with this. And I trust that you're going to bless. And you know what? Uh, afterwards, uh, it was a long time afterwards, but the Lord blessed incredibly. And, and, and I'm telling you, the Lord does not fail people. You could look at many circumstances, you could look at many situations, and humanly, you could say, well, look, I think the Lord failed those people. But you would be wrong. Because God has not failed, ever. The Bible's very clear that the Lord is trustworthy. He says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him. Trust means this, confidence a reliance or resting of the mind on the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. Listen, we can't... Perhaps one of the uh, struggles of Christianity in general is that we don't, we don't see the Lord. You come to church... And we don't, we don't see the Lord. The Lord's not physically present. Matter of fact, uh, he's, he's done that throughout the, the history of time. Uh, there's be, to be no image made for God. And so we don't, we don't have an image to say, well, here's God. No, He doesn't want an image. He doesn't want to be seen. He does not want us to be able to, uh, to, be able to touch and say, you know, this is God. And, and say, well, there you go. He wants us to have faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, in verse number 6, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, or, or for he that believeth in Him, no, it says, He is a rewarder of them that seek Him. I'm going to flip over there and get it right. 
Hebrews 11.6, it says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He doesn't want to be seen, but he wants us to have faith that he exists. He wants us to seek after him. He wants us to, uh, to, to, to uh, continue to follow him even though we cannot see him. And that is faith. And listen, trust, some, we like to be able to see. I, I like to be able to uh, touch and say, you know what, this is the plan. And when this falls through, I've got this plan. And when this falls through, I've got this plan. And when this falls through, I've got this plan. And I like to be able to, uh, to, be able to uh, do things. And, and, and I guess it's probably prideful and self-reliant and saying, well, I've got it all worked out and, uh, and, and I've got every plan in place. I... I I work on my own car a lot. I, mostly I enjoy it, kind of, sometimes. Sometimes I hate it. But at other times, it's more of, I know what what's my car is, and when I'm driving down the road and something goes wrong, and you know what, I've got a screwdriver and a, and a wrench and a pair of pliers and, and just a minor tool set in my car, you know what, if something goes wrong, generally, I can say, well, I know what it is. Here's the problem. I was already in there the other day, and, and I, I saw this, or I saw that, and, and I can be able to fix things, and, and to an extent, it's self-reliance. We like to rely on stuff that we can touch, stuff that we can feel, stuff that we can see, stuff that we can understand, stuff that we can wrap our head around. We, we like to be able to do all of that. But listen, God is not something that can be seen. God is not somebody who can be felt. God is sometimes not somebody who can be understood, and you can't really always wrap your head around him but at the same time he's saying commit thy way unto the Lord trust also in him that's where our struggle comes because it's that trust that we struggle with because we can't see God we don't always it's scary to uh, put your trust in somebody else to uh, to to handle something that is uh, of great importance and, and if you have uh, something that's important to you and you want to get it done, usually you're like, you know what, I'll, I'll handle that myself. Why? Because it's important. Listen, our life is important, but yet God is saying, hey, trust also in me. Trust in the Lord. And, uh, and it's something that we ought to do. The Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Shall be safe. Listen, God's not going to fail you. You can commit your way 100% to God and say, you know what, I can trust God with my day-to-day life. I'm amazed oftentimes in Christianity, uh, we'll trust God with uh, the eternal thereafter. We'll trust Him with uh, our souls for all of eternity. But day by day, we're like, man, I don't know if I can trust the Lord today. Listen, He's not out to mess up your life. He's out to help you. He's out to strengthen you. He's out to encourage you. And we need to trust the Lord or commit our way unto the Lord. And you can trust Him. He is trustworthy. Not only are we to trust our way unto the Lord, but look with me in Psalm uh, or Proverbs chapter number 16. Proverbs chapter 16. 
We're certainly to commit our way unto the Lord. But I want you to notice this in Proverbs chapter number 16 as well. The Bible says this very clearly. Proverbs chapter number 16. In verse number 3, the Bible says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works. So the first one was commit commit your ways to the Lord. The second thing that we see in the Word of God is we're to commit our works to the Lord. Again, commit means to give in trust, to put into thy, the hands or power of another person. And, uh, and so work is the idea. You understand what work is. You, I'm speaking to adults. And, uh, and the majority of you uh, had jobs or have a job. Uh, maybe you're retired and you were glad to say goodbye to that job. And uh, maybe you switched jobs, but, but you know what work is. Work uh, is when you get up every day and you go to work. And, and most of you, probably many of you, uh, have a boss that tells you, hey, this is what your job is, and this is what you're supposed to do, and this is when I expect you to be here, and this is when I expect you to go home, and this is what I expect you to do while you're here. And he defines your job as you're supposed to accomplish, and, and he tells you what, what your job is and what your job is not. And, uh, and sometimes, listen, we may or may not like uh, all that our, our job entails, but nonetheless, we, we know what our job is and we'll do our job. It is a work that we have to do. And the Bible here in verse uh, 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord. And so how are we supposed to commit our works? Uh, well, certainly uh, there is work that God has us for us to do. Uh, God would expect us to do work. Turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter number 2 in the New Testament. In verse number... We'll start there in verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 2, he goes through and he explains from verse number 1 all the way down uh, through verse 8, really. Uh, he gets to the, to the heart of it. But he's explaining salvation. And he's explaining that, hey, that, that before we were uh, unsaved and we walked in the works of the world and we walked in the ways of the world and, and we did things according to the way that everyone else does them in the world. But then God changed us. And verse 4, he says that. And verse number, let's go with verse number 8. He says... Uh, as he gets to the, the center of the message of salvation, he says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he's saying, uh, listen, your salvation is not uh, acquired by good works. In other words, there was no amount, there is no amount of good works that you can do to acquire your salvation. A lot of people have the idea, a lot of religions give the idea that in order to be saved, well, you've got to be baptized in the church and that you've got to give so much money to the church and that you've got to do so many, many hours of work for the church. And listen, I want us to understand and realize the Bible does not tell us that. The Bible tells us the exact opposite of that. It says here in verse number 8 uh, or verse number 9, not of works lest any man should boast. I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. Uh, listen, if, if salvation could be acquired by works, could you imagine what heaven would be like? It would be a bunch of braggarts. That's what it would be. 
It would be a bunch of prideful, arrogant sinners talking about how, how they got to heaven. Man, I, I gave more than that guy to the church. I, I did more than everyone else. And, and, and they would be boasting. And that's why heaven is not, uh, is not attainable by good works because the Bible says not of works lest any man should boast. The fact of the matter is we are all on level ground that we are sinners with a debt that we cannot pay and that we cannot afford to cover our own debt of sin. But that's why verse number 8 says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So if you've been saved and if you've been born again, we need to understand and recognize that, listen, good, good works did not save us. Jesus Christ saved us. And if we've put our faith and trust in Him, then we're saved by faith uh, through Jesus Christ. And that is the only way to be saved. That's the Bible way to be saved. But the Bible does not stop there. And, and sometimes Christians uh, want it. Matter of fact, many Christians like the idea of, listen, works don't save us, so now that I'm saved, I don't have to do anything. Well, that's not what the Bible says either. Uh, though a lot of people like to think that. Go on to verse number 10 and look at what it says. He doesn't stop in verse number 9. He goes on and he says in verse number 10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should work in them. So while we understand that works does not save us, and we don't do works so that we can be saved, but because we are saved, we ought to do good works. It is a display of our salvation. It is not a work so that we can gain salvation, but it is a fruit. It is a display. Hey, you know what? God has changed me. God has made me a new person, and now I desire to serve Him with my life. And there's a desire there. And there's the idea that, hey, we want to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Proverbs 16.3, where it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord. We ought to understand and realize, hey, God has work for us to do. We ought to be willing as Christians to do that work. Again, we're not gaining our salvation. We're not doing it for merit so that we can be saved. But we do it because we are saved. And listen, uh, we live in a day and age of, of consumerism. Consumerism is the idea that we take, take, take. Uh, we live, I'm amazed in, in, in our society, uh, but it's very common, uh, the idea that we live kind of in a throwaway society. You get something, you use it, when it doesn't serve its purpose anymore, you throw it away. And that's just kind of the society. It's consumption. Uh, a consumption of material goods, consumption of, of, of everything, and, and just kind of the idea of consuming. And listen, we live in a day and age where a lot of that consumer idea has spilled over into Christianity. And, and we have something that I think would be called or dubbed consumer Christianity. In other words, the majority of the people uh, kind of want to just consume Christianity and they just want to enjoy all the benefits from being a Christian, but they don't want to put forth any effort in Christianity. Consumer Christianity. Listen, the Bible says, commit thy works 
unto the Lord. Listen, we're not saved so that we can just set for the rest of our life. God expects us to to do some stuff. God expects us to work. God expects us to serve. Uh, Consider some of these verses. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. I want you to turn and see this. Matthew chapter number 9. Jesus is talking uh, with his disciples, or, or rather, he's with his disciples. And I want you to see this. It's kind of a story, uh, and yet very important verses here. Matthew chapter number 9 and verse 36. At the very end of the chapter of Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, the Bible says this. This is Jesus. He had gone around. Well, if you go back a little bit, he, he's gone around and he's been preaching in many villages and, and, and teaching the Word of God. And he's gone from place to place and he was healing people and, and doing miracles and ministering to people. And it says there in verse number 36 But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. In other words, as Jesus ministered and as he traveled and as he would go from place to place to place, he would look around and he was just moved with compassion. He said, man, uh, those people, they need need to hear the gospel. Hey, those people, they need to understand the word of God. Hey, those people, they don't have anybody to guide them, spiritually speaking. And so he was very moved by by seeing the multitudes of people and the people who uh, were were out there with no shepherd. And he goes on in verse 37 and he says this, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Listen, that same thing could be said today. There are so few laborers. There are, uh, there are not enough. Uh, Pastor and I talk pretty regularly, and, and often we're, we're talking about the amount of churches that are without pastors. And we're just amazed. I mean, and these are, these are locally that we are aware of, and how many more that we're not aware of, of the pastors uh, that are, uh, they're, they're, there's no pastor for the church, or this church doesn't have a pastor, and this church doesn't have a pastor. And we look around and we're amazed. Just the other day I was talking with a, uh, a missionary friend of mine, and, and, uh, and he was mentioning three churches in his area. Uh, he's in the States currently, and, and in that area he said, listen, there's three churches that I know of good churches. And he said they're, uh, they're pastored by, uh, by pastors who are 70 years old and older and once pastored by a, church, by a pastor who's 80 years old and up. And I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. I'm just saying the point is these people are, are, are at the end and, and where's the people that are coming up behind them to fill the holes and to take over the places? And what I'm saying is there's a, a multitude of harvest, but there's not enough laborers to get the job done. There's not enough people getting the gospel out. And I'm telling you this, the Lord says, commit thy works unto the Lord. We need to roll up our sleeves and say, you know what? I'm willing to put in some work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, work is not necessarily pastoring a church or teaching in a, in a position. Listen, there is all kinds of work that needs to be done. Uh, as we look at our church and think about our church, there's lots of areas that, of labor and ministries of love. Listen, sitting in the nursery and watching babies. Now, some of these ladies r- really enjoy that. 
but I wouldn't enjoy it. No, thank you. It's really a labor. They're not teaching the Bible to those. You know what they're doing? They're taking care of those babies so that the moms can set in a service and enjoy hearing the Word of God. It's a work. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of work that gets done. Uh, the bus that goes out, you know what? The bus doesn't drive itself. The bus doesn't visit the people itself. You know what? The sound system doesn't turn itself on. Uh, you know, the church doesn't clean itself. We don't have an automated system that does all of those things. There are people who roll up their sleeves and they come here and they say, you know what? I'm going to do this job. And they're committing their works to the Lord. And they're saying, I'm going to get involved. And I'm going to do something. The Bible says this. Just think about these verses. I'll just give them to you briefly. Matthew 5.16, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so God expects us to do good works so that other people, the world that is lost, can see our works and say, You know what? That guy, he, he, he doesn't just attend that church. He really believes in what they're doing. He, he goes there extra time and he does this and he, he's involved in that church and he works there and he's committing his works to the Lord. Titus 2.14, you can jot that down. It says, who gave himself for us, talking about Jesus, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That's what Jesus wants. And then Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24, uh, the Bible says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. I always love that verse. Because maybe I like to provoke, I don't know. But, but the Bible says, hey, we are to provoke unto good love and good works. In other words, that we would spur one another and challenge one another uh, to work and to get involved in ministry and, and to commit our works unto the Lord. So we're to commit our ways unto the Lord. We're to commit our works unto the Lord. Turn with me to one last passage. First uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. First Peter 5, 7. We're talking about being committed to the Lord. And in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says this. You thought it was going to start with commit, didn't you? It says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Not only are we to commit our way and we're to commit our works, but listen, we're to commit our worries to the Lord as well. Our worries to the Lord. Listen, we go through life. And we carry these bundles of burdens with us everywhere we go. And we, we, maybe you don't, I do, I worry about them. And I think, well, what about this? What about that? And, and, and in my mind, it just kind of runs through. And the Bible would tell us and would admonish us and encourage us, cast those burdens on the Lord. Because He careth for you. There was... Uh, a book written in the, uh, I think it was the 1600s, yeah, the 1600s, uh, by a man named John Bunyan. And, and I know it's an old book, but I think it's probably one of the, uh, the most popular, well, I know it's one of the most popular literary works among Christians, and it's called Pilgrim's Progress. I remember when I was a boy, uh, my dad read that to us, and, and, uh, and, and we were like, 
it was actually exciting. We were like, man, you know, what's going to happen to a little pilgrim next week? And we just read uh, one little chapter at a time, and, and we'd read that. And, and I thought, man, it's been, uh, it's been years since I've heard that book or read that book. Maybe you've never heard of it, but I, I, I mean, if you've never heard of it, I encourage you to get it. It's just a very picturesque story uh, that, that correlates with Christianity very well. Uh, about about Christian and how he carries this burden on his back for a long time. And it was the burden of sin. And then finally he gets to the cross of Jesus Christ and he lays that burden down. And that burden burdens are lifted at Calvary and he gets saved. And listen, after he goes, after we go through life, many times we'll grab those those worries and we'll grab those concerns and we'll carry them around as a burden on our back again. And listen, the Bible would tell us, hey, casting all our cares on the Lord. Cast all, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. We should not worry. We should cast it all at the Lord. I wrote down here Mark 4. We don't have time to go there, but in Mark chapter 4, I encourage you to read it when you go home. The disciples were, were there in Mark 4, 35 through 40. It's just five verses. The disciples were going with Jesus and, and he commanded them to get into a boat and to go to the other side. And, and you probably know the story or uh, if not, I encourage you to go back and read it. And as the disciples get into the boat and they start to go across the sea, the Bible says that a, a storm blows up on the sea. Now, I want you to think of this. Most of the, many of those disciples, not all of them, but many of them were experienced fishermen. This is not their first time on the sea. This is not their first experience in a boat. This is not their first time, I'm sure, in a storm on the sea. But at the same time, they're going across there and, and the storm becomes to be very violent and the winds are, are blowing and the water is actually going into the boat and, and the disciples get so concerned and so worried about it and they, they go to the Lord and they say, uh, Lord, carest thou not that we perish? Sometimes we can be like that in our life. God said, listen, He's got us here. And he said, you get to the other side. We're going to get there. We're going to get to heaven. Hey, someday we're going to get to the other side and all's going to be well. But during this lifetime, there will be storms. There will be troubles. There will be things that blow up. And listen, God has not forgot where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows every situation you're going through. And He will help you. And that's not to say that you won't have struggles getting through them. That's not to say you won't find times in your life where you say, man, I, I don't know uh, how I'm going to get through this, but God is there. And the disciples go to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I kind of find this comical, but the Bible says that Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the boat. And I just, you know, we worry and fret about problems and situations and it's nothing to God. And I'm not trying to belittle our, our problems or belittle our circumstances, but I'm telling you this, when you compare those things to who God is and the situations that He's already handled in the Word of God time and time again, every one of them are minuscule. They might be big to us, but to God, it's really not a big problem. And He's able to take care of it if we'll simply cast our cares and commit our worries unto the Lord, we should commit our ways, we should commit our works, we should commit our worries 
to the Lord and He'll help us and He'll strengthen us in this lifetime. Talking about being committed to God. We need to be committed. We need to say, God, I'm with you. Thick or thin, I'm with you. Bad or good, I'm with you. Mountaintop or valley, I'm with you. I'm in it for the works, I'm in it for the way. And I'll, I'll give you all my worries and let you worry about them and let you handle every situation in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, we'll just have a short hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your word. God, that we can commit our worries to you. What a blessing, what an encouragement. And God, to know that you're trustworthy and that you're all-powerful and that you can handle any situation, any problem, any, uh, anything. Help us to trust in you. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we just have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you want to commit your way to him. Maybe you're not saved and you'd like to be born again today. Listen, Jesus Christ loves you. He wants you to be saved. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call out to him and ask him to save you. He'll do it. Commit your works to the Lord.